Thank you for tuning in to the Emerge Church Tallahassee podcast. We exist to help people follow Jesus so they can live out God's plans for their lives. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the message from Sunday. We're going to get right to it. Uh, If you would, please open your Bibles to uh, Joshua. We're going to Joshua today. Taking it back, way back. Joshua, chapter 3. Verses 1 through 5. And the Bible says, Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officials went throughout the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. And since you have never been this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half a mile behind them, keeping clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure don't to come any closer. And then Joshua said to all the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you set us apart. God, I thank you that you go before us. I thank you for this time. I thank you for this word. God, I pray that it would be your spirit that comes and moves and ministers to your people. God, use me and let your plans go forth and prosper. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So uh, it's a new year. I guess it's still a new year. I mean, it's, it's uh, 14 days into the new year. And, uh, you know, how, how many can agree that the newness is starting to wear off a little bit, right? Right, it's a new year, but it's, it's the same old me. And, um, but I love a new year. I do, I do, I have to admit, I am one of those, like, eternal optimists. I, I see the glass three-quarters full, and it's got a straw, and I could probably use a couple pieces of ice. Like, I just, I am, I believe the best. I look forward to the best, and every time a new year rolls around, I have to be careful because I have this tendency to get a little bit ahead of myself with maybe some of my New Year's resolutions. Can anybody, can anybody identify what that? You get a little bit ahead of yourself. I, I, I know I do. I just, I get so excited and I want to change everything. I mean, I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to change my exercise routine. I'm going to clean out my car, keep my closet organized, going to put away the laundry this year. I'm going to organize the garage, get my budget in line. I mean, I, 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 I do it all. I, I, get, I get a little carried away. True story. This was a few years ago. Several years ago, a long time ago, a long time ago, a long, 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 long time ago. And when one of my New Year's resolutions for this year was to read, read my Bible. I want to read my Bible more. It's good. It's fine. Maybe it's, maybe it's a similar resolution that you might have this year. And so I had this idea, right? I wanted to read my Bible, but I knew that if I kept doing what I had been doing, I was going to keep getting what I've been getting. So I need to do something different. It's going to be different this year. I was going to read my Bible. And so I had this idea. Now, 
I got to tell you a little bit about myself. If, if, if you know me, you, you, you maybe have experiences. Whenever I'm going to do something, I like to do it big. I mean, it's got to be big. It's got to be great. I mean, it's going to be out there. So I had this goal to read my Bible, and so I had this idea I was going to make a chart. Now, now this is not just any chart, y'all. I, I made a huge, like, poster-sized wall chart, and it was, it was organized. It was color-coordinated. It had all the books of the Bible kind of broken down quarter by quarter. I was going to track my progress, and I mounted it on the wall of our bedroom. True story. And so I got so excited. The thing that I had been looking for all my life, I finally found it. My special chart. My secret ingredient. And so I, in, in all my excitement, I go and get my wife. And I say, baby, Catherine, come here. Come here. You got to come look at this. And I bring her into our, our master bedroom where I mounted this giant thing on the wall. And the thing about a spouse is, you know, they, they live with you. And so, like, they, they know you. They know you. And so I invite, I invite Catherine in to our bedroom to come see this, this, this chart that I made. And she looks at me, and she goes, boo-boo. That's our name. That's our name for each other. We, we, we call each other boo-boos. You, you, some people call each other Bert and Ernie, but we, you know, for us, it's, it's boo-boo. And so... She looks at me and she said, boo-boo, when is the last time that you even read one chapter in your Bible? Because she knew. She knew. She knew. And, and, I, and, and I wanted to be better. I believed I could. But she said, you're going to go. For, like, do you even know where your Bible is right now? Like, at that point in my life, she probably, again, a long time ago, a long time ago, she probably used my Bible more than I used my Bible. If, she, if I had to put it on, my hand on it right then, I probably couldn't have found it in my, in my disorganized closet. But she said, you don't even read your Bible. And now you're going to read the whole thing in a year? Why don't you just start with like a seven-day reading plan instead? You know, like why don't you just try it out? See how far you can go. Be faithful with a little bit. This may come to shock you, but uh, I did not complete my chart that year. I don't even think I completed the seven-day reading plan, to be honest with you. But I got to tell you, in all my years of getting excited about New Year's and New Year's resolutions, there has been one goal, one New Year's resolution that I have never made and I will never make, and it is a goal. I've, I've never said this at the beginning of year. I've never said this year, Lord, this is going to be the year that I do more camping. <laughs> never. Never. I have never desired to do more camping. Quick show, any, any campers in the house? Anybody like to go camping? So I, le I learned this a long, time, a long time ago. There are two types of people on this world. There are the people that like to go camping, and then there are normal people. I mean, it sounds good, right? It's in theory. We're going to get away from it all. We're going to get away from people. We're going to leave our cell phones behind. We're going to go out, make a campfire, cook some hot s'mores, enjoy God's creation. In theory, that's what camping is. But in reality, this is what you're going to do. You're going you're gonna to leave your house. You're going to leave your bed and your sheets 
All the central heating and air conditioning, leave the indoor plumbing and the refrigerator, and we're going to be out there sleeping outside on the ground, hoping I can get something to eat. That is camping. In reality, you may call that camping, but where I'm from, we call that voluntary homelessness, and I am out. I am not in on camping. I'm just not. But I was reading this story in Joshua, and the Lord began to reveal to me about the importance of camping. You see, that's the situation of the text that we're considering today. Joshua and the Israelite people are in a transitional time in their lives. They're at the banks of the Jordan River, and they're preparing to cross over into this promised land, much like you are right now. You're at the banks of a new year. We're only two weeks into this thing. And you're about to cross over into what God has for you next. And I heard the Lord give me some advice as I was reading this story. And I want to share it with you today. He used Joshua to instruct the Israelite people then. And I want to share some instruction with you today. God said, I know you're about to go for what's next. But before you go, here's what you got to do. You got to camp before you cross. You got to camp before you cross. Let me hear you say it. You got to camp before you cross. So here we are. Chapter 3. And Joshua is giving these instructions. Now, Joshua is in position to give these instructions because of his experience and his appointment. See, Joshua had served Moses with obedience and faithfulness. And that's how you're supposed to serve. When when you're under someone else's authority, you are called to serve them with faithfulness and obedience. As a matter of fact, in Colossians, it reminds us that whatever your hand finds to do, work at it with all of your heart unto the Lord, not unto man. So that means tomorrow, when you go back to that job where you got that boss that you think is a jerk, you don't work for him. You work for the Lord. And whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your heart, not unto man. Not unto man. And this was Joshua's approach. It was because of his faith in God and his service to Moses and his faithfulness in the assignment. See, that's the thing. When God puts you in a specific place, wherever you're at, trust me, God has an assignment for you there. Just like Joshua He was not in charge. He was serving, but there was an assignment for him as the assistant. Now, this was the assignment. So God tells Moses, Moses, you're going to take the land. This is the land. This is the land that was promised, the promised land. And God says, you're going to take it. Now, Moses knows before they get over there, they got to know a little bit about what they're getting into. 
So the assignment is he goes throughout the camp and he picks one leader from every tribe. Of the 12 tribes of Israel, one person was selected. And Joshua was the selection from his tribe. And so Joshua tells him and the 11 other spies, go into the land, scout it out, learn everything that you can learn. What kind of trees are there? What kind of fruit is there? What's the soil like? What are the people like? Are the walls and the cities fortified? Come back after you explore for 40 days and report what you have found. Now here's the deal. Joshua didn't get to choose his assignment. It was given to him. But this is a picture of God's sovereignty. You don't get to choose. God places you there under someone for a specific reason. You have an assignment, and your assignment is not from them. Your assignment is not for them. Your assignment is from God for him. And guess what? It's for you too. It's for you too. It was for Joshua, but he just didn't know it yet. And so they go into the land, all 12 of them, and they come back. And this is what happened. It was the minority that believed God. Sound like anything you've experienced lately? It was the minority that believed God. It was two of them. Two of the 12 came back. They were so excited. Oh, Moses, you're not going to believe it. It's everything that God said and then some. It's a land flowing of milk and honey. I don't even know how milk flows, but it sounds awesome. Water would be great, but it's flowing with milk and honey. The grapes are huge. The pomegranates are delicious. Moses, you're not going to believe it. God said it. Let's go take it. That's what Joshua and Caleb had to report, two of the 12. But the other 10, they doubted. The majority doubted. They doubted what God said, and they feared what they saw. There's not going to be any points today. So if you're taking notes and God speaks to you, write it down. They doubted God's word, and they feared what they saw. They feared man. They saw giants. They came back and they said, Moses, we can't go. The people there are like giants. To us, we look like grasshoppers. We can't go. And not only did they have disbelief, they spread it. They had disbelief, and they didn't believe. They had fear, but they took it a step further. They spread it all around to all the Israelite camp. They spread the fear. They spread the doubt. I know what God said, but listen, I've been there. I saw it. They're huge. They got walls up. We can't do it. We shouldn't do it. We should turn around and go back. They wanted to go back where they just came from. Where they just came from was 400 years of slavery. They doubted God's promise, and they wanted to go back what had held them for so long. They didn't trust God, and they spread fear to all the people, and the people became divided because they listened. 
They doubted. They became discouraged. And ultimately, they too did not believe what God said. They didn't trust and they didn't follow because of what they had heard. They bought into the lies, the fear. And that's a thing. When a lie gets repeated over and over and over and over and over, we have this doubt that creeps up and we start to believe the lie more than we believe what God said. I know you heard it on the news. That doesn't mean it's true. Let's not be that generation. Let's not be the generation that doubts what God said. Let's not be the generation that falls away from believing in God and trusting God and following God because it has an effect on the next generation to come. You see, those Israelite people that doubted and they didn't believe, everything that they were afraid of, everything that they thought would happen came to fruition. Their doubts, they feared. They said, we're just going to die out here in the wilderness. And that's what happened because they doubted and they didn't follow God. There's so much power when you can get in agreement with what God says. When, 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 when you can get into agreement with what God sees for you, there is so much power. It allows you to take faith steps that you could have never taken otherwise. Let's do that. Let's be that generation that believes that what God has for us is real and true. Amen? Amen. So now here we are in chapter three. This is what it looks like. That generation, they died in the wilderness. And now the young men, Joshua and Caleb, are now the elders of the tribe of Israel. And Joshua issues this warning. He gives them some instruction. He says, you have never been this way before. But you see, Joshua had. Joshua had been there before. He had set foot in the land. He saw the promises of God. He saw the goodness of God. And he saw the generation prior fall away. And so he issues this warning to the people. And I feel this warning right now to this generation. He says, you've never been this way before. So you got to be careful. You got to follow. Joshua had this generational outlook over the people that he was in charge of. And here's the thing about this generational outlook that Joshua had. It didn't come from him. He inherited it. It was passed down to him from a previous generation. Someone else in his family had to get it first so they could leave it behind so that Joshua could walk into it. An inheritance is not only monetary, church. Quite frankly, it is so much more. So let's talk about some generational inheritance. Let's talk about generational inheritances. You've heard this before. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's that God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, Jacob was renamed to Israel. Israel had 12 sons. He was getting busy. He had 12 sons. I have three, and that's a lot. This guy had 12. And these children of Israel were known as the children of Israel. 12 of them, 12 sons. Now, 
These 12 sons had an inheritance for them. Their inheritance was a portion of the land. That was their inheritance. But just like the 12 spies, two of them were different. This is what the Lord showed me. Just like the 12 spies, two of them were different. And I want to talk to you about those two that were different. They were Levi and Joshua. Levi and Joshua. These were the 12 sons, two of the 12. And Levi and Joshua were different. Levi and his sons, also known as the Levites, see, they were the priestly line. So their inheritance was not the land. Their inheritance was the Lord. And you see them in this passage that we looked at today. Follow the ark of the Lord your God that is going to be carried by the Levitical priest. That's Levi. That's Levi's tribe. That's Levi's legacy. That's Levi's inheritance for his children. That they have to be close with God. They have to carry God with them everywhere that they go. There's evidence that they walk with God because it's what they're carrying. That was Levi. He was different. And the other one, the other one that was different was Joseph. Now, you know Joseph. You've known Joseph since you were in Sunday school. The coat of many colors. This is Joseph. Matter of fact, if you didn't even go to Sunday school, you probably heard about Joseph because I think there was a Broadway play in New York City one time about Joseph and the the Technicolor coat or whatever. I, I, I didn't see it. Probably went and saw The Lion King or something instead. But Joseph was different. And see, Joseph was the firstborn son of the wife that Israel, Jacob, truly loved. His wife, Rachel. He loved Rachel more than anything. And her firstborn son was Joseph. And so the brothers didn't like it. He got special favor from his daddy. Gifts like a coat. So they plotted to kill him. They got scared. They backed out. They sold him into slavery. He wound up serving at a guy named Potiphar's house in Egypt. And from there, because of his, watch this, faithfulness to God, he was put in prison and forgotten about for years. This is Joseph's life. Because of his faithfulness in God, he winds up in prison alone, forgotten about. But God. But God. Just like only God can do, God raises Joseph up from and through by the gifts that God had given Joseph. There's something that he put in you that is specific to you. He he will use it. You can use it. It will be for your benefit and his glory. And this is Joseph. Joseph goes from prison to the palace where he can use his gift. He is placed in second in command in all of Egypt. And it's in this position where he's reunited with the very brothers that sold him into slavery. And he comes face to face with his father, Jacob, the man that thought his favorite son was dead. Now, when Joseph sees his father, And his father, Jacob, sees Joseph. Obviously, it is a very emotional meeting because he's been gone for all of his life. And so Jacob, the father, asked Joseph to come close. But not only did he ask Joseph to come close, he asks for his two 
sons to come with him. His sons were Manasseh and Ephraim. He said, bring your sons to me. I know I didn't get to spend my life with you, but I want to bless your two sons just like they were mine. And so he places his left hand on Manasseh, the older son, and he places his right hand, the hand of favor, the hand of strength, the hand of blessing on the younger, on Ephraim. And he blesses them for an inheritance. And it is this inheritance that they receive, the land. Now, this is where it comes all back around. You see, Joshua was of the tribe of Ephraim. He inherited his faith from his great, great, great grandfather named Joseph, who passed it down to his son named Ephraim, who had received his inheritance in the land. And now here is Joshua walking into what God has in store for him with the faith that a previous generation left behind for him to inherit. Please, listen to me. Don't just leave a legacy of work and 401k behind to your children because when the money is gone, they're going to need more than finances to carry them into where they're going. They're going to need faith. They're going to need your faith. And you got to have it so that you can leave it behind for them. Joseph knew that he served a generational God. And because he served a generational God, he could not have situational faith. Even though he was in prison, he could not have situational faith. Aren't you glad we serve a generational God? Aren't you glad that just because somebody that came before you, maybe they didn't get it right, but God's promises are true generation after generation from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph to Ephraim to Joshua. His promises are true. Let's not have situational faith for a generational God. Can we have some consistency this year? Can this be the year, 2024, that we get some consistency with our faith, that we get some consistency with our walk, that we get some consistency with our attendance, some consistency with our attitudes? Watch out now. Some consistency with your social media account. Because the you that I see ain't the you that I see online. Some consistency. Joshua reminds the people. You've never been this way before, and that's why you got to camp before you cross. Listen to this. The purpose, it's preparatory, but the time limit is temporary. Where he is taking you, you need to write that down. The purpose is preparatory, but the time limit is temporary. Where he's taking you up ahead to what God has next for you is blessing, but there's also battles. You see, we got to take this time. We got to be intentional with this first portion of the year to prepare. There are some things that we got to get in us so that we can walk into what God has for us. The purpose is preparatory, but the time limit is temporary. We're not staying here. We've got somewhere to go. We've got something to do. There's someone that you've got to become. That's why Joshua told them, consecrate yourselves. Be set apart. That's why we do this 21 days of prayer and fasting. 
You got to camp before you cross. Say camp before you cross. The thing about camping is there's only room for the essentials. There's not a lot of room for extra baggage. And just like there are some things that you have got to get from God for this next year, there are some things that you've got to leave behind. You got to leave them behind. This journey that steps into the things that God has for you. See, just on the other side of it, there's this place called Jericho. And there's a battle that God is preparing you for that the world can't comprehend. You're not going to have the weapons of this world. God is going to equip you with heaven's armies, and it's going to look different. Because when you face Jericho, he's going to ask you to take a faith step like you've never taken before. And I know it looks different. And I know it sounds different. And I just want to encourage you to keep stepping, keep walking. I know you've been serving and nobody has noticed you yet. I know you've been taking all the medications and the symptoms haven't changed yet. I know you keep teaching the children and they don't obey you yet. But just keep stepping. Keep stepping and praise him while you're stepping. Because when you send up the praise, it's the shout that makes the walls fall down. And he leads you into a place that you could have never gotten to by yourself. You got to make some room for what God wants to do this year. You got to give him some room you got to leave that stuff behind. That's why he said, keep a distance. About a good half mile for what I want to do for you in this next year. God says, I'm going to need some room. you got to give me some space so I can move into, so that I can deposit, so that I can work. Give me some space. You keep filling yourself up with everything that the world has to offer. God says, would you just give me some room this year? Because there's something that I want to do. He's removing stuff so that he can deposit stuff. He's removing it so that he can deposit that. He's trying to bring some things into order. God is a God of order. And I love the picture in this scripture. You see the presence the priests, and then the people. It's a picture of God's church. That's how it's supposed to be. Following the presence of God and the priests leading the people into everything that God has for them. Can this be the year? Come on. Can this be the year that we get some order to our faith walk? We follow his presence. We're helped by the priests. And the people can walk with purpose into the promises. That's what 2024 can look like for you if you camp before you cross. I was reading this scripture and, and, and it just kept coming to me. It just kept coming to me. I heard the Lord keep saying, you got to camp before you cross. It's like, Lord, you know I don't like to camp. <laughs> Why is it so important? That song we were singing, asking you, will receive. It's true. I said, Lord, why is this so important? Why do I have to tell them that they got to camp before they cross? He said, because Jesus did. 
You see, Jesus had just finished his meal, his supper, his last supper. And it was at that last supper where he again tells the disciples what must happen to the Son of Man. So he broke the bread and he poured the wine. He said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Take this cup, drink the blood of the new covenant to cover all sin. And he took them from the table to the garden where they would spend the night, the last night that they would have together. Camp before you cross. He said, I know it's been hard. I know it's been a long time, but would you just come with me? Would you just keep watch for a little longer while I pray? Can we just, just like we used to, can we just camp one more time when it was just us out there in God's creation? Can we just camp one more time because tomorrow I'm going to the cross. There's a place that I got to go. And there's something that I got to do. We can't stay here any longer. And you've never been this way before. But I know the plans, says the Lord. The plans that I have for you and for you and for you and for you. And I'm going before you to prepare a place receive this word. The purpose is preparatory, but the time limit is temporary. That affliction, it's temporary. The discouragement, it's temporary. The challenges, everything that you're facing, it's temporary but it's preparatory. Take this time. Take this first, this first portion of the year. That's why Joshua gave him the warning. Consecrate yourselves. Set yourself apart. Make yourself ready to be used by God because tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I want to invite you all to stand to your feet. I'm about to wrap up. But before we go, you got to get this word in your spirit. There is something that God wants to speak specifically to you today. Close your eyes and bow your head. And camp before you cross. It's been tough. I know it has. You've been praying. You've been asking. I want you to know that God is faithful. And if there is something that you came in here today 
carrying. I want you to come down here to the altar. I want you to come down to the altar. That thing that you've been carrying, that unforgiveness that you have towards them, you can't carry it any longer. You got to leave it here. That battle that you've been going through, God wants you to know that you're not alone. But you got to camp before you cross. What's on the other side of this threshold is the promises of God. But you got to be prepared. We've only got so much more time together. Let's just camp. Let's just camp before you cross. If you don't know Jesus, he's asking you to just come and camp. There's an invitation to set yourself apart that he could make all things new for you if you don't know him or maybe you want to rededicate that this is going to be the year where you're going to follow God. You're going to trust God. You're going to walk into everything that God has for you. I want you to come down. I want you to come. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray over you. Let this be the year that you see the wonders of God. Let this be the year that you don't doubt. Let this be the year where you don't believe the lies and the fear and you hold fast to the faith that was passed down to you so that you can pass it down to them so that you can walk into everything that God has for you. You got to come down and you got to leave it here. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for your children. God, thank you that you see. God, I pray that we would get your attention and you would look this way. You see every need before it's ever brought. And God, I thank you that your children have the courage to be uncomfortable in a pursuit of you. God, we know that your purpose is to prepare us. But God, help us to realize that the time limit, oh, it is so temporary. God, I pray that it's your spirit that moves. It's your spirit that fills. It's your spirit that leads. It's your spirit that ministers to everyone in this room, everyone tuning in online, everyone watching this very message at a later date that it would be your spirit. For those of you that want to make a commitment today for the first time, or maybe you want to rededicate, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that you sent him to the cross for my salvation. I believe that Jesus is the son of God that he was raised from the dead for the forgiveness of my sins. I lay it down right now at the feet of the cross and I take up this new life, this life with you. God, I, I say that you're my Lord. You are my Savior. And I thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray.
Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together. You can be seated. You can find your way back to your seat. Now listen. Don't come up in here and get this experience, this encounter with the Lord. Don't come in here and listen to his word and walk out of this room unchanged. The word of the Lord is like a can of paint. The value is in the application. Don't come in here and get this can of paint and take it home with you and never take the lid off. I don't care if you got to use a brush or a roller. It don't matter. It don't mind. Get messy. But don't go out and not try to apply the thing that God gave you today. Come on, can this be the year? Can this be the year? Can this be the year that we try? I know you might fall down. I know you've tried before. Try again. Try again. Try again. In Jesus' name. We're so glad that you joined us for this message. If you would like to give to help us continue to reach more people, you can go to our website, merchchurch.com, and click on Give. We hope to see you at church this Sunday.